Jake Hatch joins me now in the Full Court Press. He is the host of the Locked On Cougars podcast, focusing on BYU. Uh, Jake, thanks for spending some time with me. Let's and letting us know a little bit more about this BYU team, which honestly seems to be a little enigmatic in who is going to be playing and how well they're going to play week to week. Yeah, Eric, thanks so much for having me on. But I think your point there is well taken. It's a matter of yeah, which BYU team is going to show up each week? The team is three and four. But you, if you were to pick three wins for BYU, I don't think you'd pick wins over Tennessee, USC, and Boise State. But here we are. <laughs> yeah, uh, and at the same time, I think Utah State's a little bit enigmatic as well. We don't know on Saturday night what what team for either side is going to really show up. Is it going to be the team that pushed Wake Forest to the brink and should in all should have, in all purposes should have won that game? Or is it the team that just totally got trucked by the Air Force Falcons and looked embarrassing? Uh, this BYU team, let's focus on them and what you know about them. This, there's been some, uh, well, a lot of injuries to key positions. Quarterback, starting quarterback mm-hmm. is out. We don't know who the starter will be for this week. And there's been injuries to the running back, to the offensive line. But despite all of that, they were able to put together a pretty good game against the Boise State Broncos. As they had the bye week this last week, they're having the practices this week. What's what's the sense of the health of this team and who we might see Saturday night? Well, I'll be honest. Uh, they've been playing pretty close to the vests that I think most people would expect. Uh, Kwani Satake wasn't asked on Monday during his weekly press conference if he had decided on a starting quarterback. Since he said, we'll see, I, I think that they're going to play coy with it up until game time on Saturday night, especially at the quarterback position. But I think of the two bye weeks, they've had two bye weeks in the month of October. And coming out of the second bye week, I think it's given BYU and some of the guys who've had some of these, as you would call them, longer-term injuries where they're out more than a week or two to heal up. But with BYU, the only thing they comment on, I think it's the same way as Gary Anderson up there at Utah State, unless it's a season-ending injury, they will not comment on it. So I'm guessing that they should be healthier than they have been, but we won't know exactly who's playing until game time Saturday night. With some of the guys that have come in and filled in for these the starters, it seems like um, there seems to be a lot of talk about that offensive line and how well they've done despite some of the injuries. Uh, what what have you seen out of that offensive line and how they how well they protect the quarterback and how well they create opportunities for the run game? Well, yeah, it, it's been actually, yeah, they've been plug and play for the most part with guys going down for, to injury against Boise State, BYU. They usually keep about an eight-man rotation on the offensive line, and four of those guys in the rotation did not play against Boise State, and they plugged in a true freshman rate tackle, had a redshirt freshman by uh, left guard. They've kind of been plugging and playing, and it's actually worked out for the most part. Uh, very impressed. I, I personally was impressed with what they showed against Boise State, especially with a guy like Curtis Weaver. I think most USU fans are aware of Boise State star pass rusher. Uh, they bottled him up for the most part, or he makes plays because he's a good player. But BYU, the offensive line, did their job. They kept Baylor Romney upright, allowed him to make plays down the field. Uh, the only seen out the running back to kind of the star of the show against Boise State. He's like the fourth running back they've played this year in large doses, had a good day as well. And we'll see what happens Saturday night if any of these offensive linemen that weren't able to go against Boise State are healthy. It obviously would help to get them back because they were in the rotation to begin with for a reason. But I think for the most part, it's been pretty much plug and play. and It's been a, it's been a 
bright spot for BYU's offense to see that development. Well, the so one of the things that has been kind of a knock on BYU with the schedule that they typically put together is that it it's aggressive, it's uh, it's laudable for what they're trying to do, but they don't often have the depth to hang with that that schedule in its entirety with how they front load their schedule. But what we saw against Boise State was maybe that's not necessarily true. That depth seemed to be okay with how they played against the Broncos. Yeah, if you were taking that one-game sample size, I would absolutely agree in that regard. But they, they lost, obviously, Tyson Williams, the guy they were kind of pinning their hopes on at the running back position against Washington. That was the fourth game of those four Power Five games BYU played to start the year. And BYU got pretty beat up uh, in those first four games, as you would expect. Uh, they, those are Power Five teams. Their twos and threes are much better on average than a team like BYU's is. So I think that uh, BYU took their lumps, obviously, losing at Toledo and at USF. But based on the one-game sample size where they bounced back, obviously, against Boise, against Boise State two weeks ago, it shows that the depth, yeah, maybe a little deeper than all of us maybe have looked at and thought of. But we'll see what happens Saturday night and see if that same effort level, I think, comes out against USU. What I have to keep going back to that Boise State game to try to figure out what what we might see this week because I think that Utah State Boise State not totally evenly matched but to some degree they've played each other you know kind of close in the same conference. Um, mm-hmm. Boise State was dealing with some uh, injury issues and backups as well, but in that game, what really what in your mind really stood out for BYU and how they were able to get that win? over a team that they were they were huge underdogs going into that one. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, is the week leading up to that Boise State game, two players uh, spoke to the media that week. Uh, one was a defensive lineman, Brackenell Bakery, and the other a linebacker, Chaz Ayu. And they both spoke to the media, and they understood that a lot of... They, they essentially acknowledged all of this talk around the program of Kalani Satake's job is in danger. And they essentially intimated that we're, we're playing for this guy. We understand that his job is on the line here. We're going to go play for him. We, we want to show that we love this coach. He's the right guy for this job. We're going to back it up with our play. And that's what they did, honestly. It was, a, it was an effort level that we haven't seen from BYU uh, in at least a couple of games. The USF and Toledo losses, that was not the same effort level. And I think the biggest thing is you saw a renewed, a focused BYU team against Boise State. The, the, the question now is, can they take that same effort level, that energy that they had against Boise State, bottle it up, and bring it again Saturday night up there in Logan? Well, this is also a team that's facing a lot of questions about how it's been a long time since they beat Utah. Utah State has beat them two years in a row. Uh, this is a BYU team that's been kind of painted into a corner that they're not able to compete, at least not well, compete, but not beat, not win, in the in-state uh, in-state games, uh, is there a sense for them that that there is a, a heightened sense of urgency because of that, or is just hey, it's Utah State, it's just the next game on the schedule? No, I, I think there absolutely is a heightened sense of hey, we we, we BYU stated rivals. They have it on a plaque down there in their student athlete building where they have their locker room. They have three stated rivals: those are the University of Utah, Utah State University, and Boise State. Kalani Satake entering the season was 1-8 in his head coaching tenure against those three rivals. 
This year he's gone one and one, obviously losing to Utah and then beating Boise State. If he were to beat Utah State this week, that would give him his first winning record against their stated rivals for the first time in his head coaching tenure. So I absolutely think that this team understands the stakes. Uh, they don't want to have a three-game losing streak to Utah State in addition to a nine-game losing streak to Utah. That does not look good at all. BYU fans would be beside themselves with that. So I think that they completely understand that, hey, we, have, we, we need to go out there if at all possible and state claim that, hey, we can win these games. There was a question posed in the press conference this week. I believe it was, gosh, now I can't remember, was it to James Empey or to uh, Diane Guancaloku, that if this game means more to Utah State than it does to BYU. Um, and if maybe a few years back you could say it does mean more to Logan uh, than it does to Provo, but in the way that Utah State has been playing for conference championships or trying to compete for conference championships and beating BYU the last two years, uh, I think the sense around town here is that it doesn't mean as much as perhaps it used to. I, I don't. What's the sense in Provo about the importance of this game and where it stands on the ladder compared to other games on the schedule? Well, I, I'm with you in kind of your assessment. Maybe a couple of years ago, that yeah, it maybe meant more to Utah State fans and BYU and beating up on them with regularity. But the fact of the matter is, BYU has lost three out of the last five, and obviously the last two in a row to Utah State. So any BYU fan or player that still thinks that they're the so-called big brother in this rivalry probably needs to reassess and look and say, you know what, we're, we're on an equal playing field with Utah State as it stands right now, and we need to go out there and reassert ourselves. If we want to become big brother, well, we better start winning this game. I, I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, and uh, we had Brian Keel on the radio show I work on last week, and he said essentially the same thing. He said, when I played at BYU, we were the big brother against Utah State. Right now, Utah State is right on par with us. And he essentially said, if BYU wants to get back to being the so-called big brother in this rivalry, there's one way to do it, win the game. Again, we're talking to Jay Catch. He uh, is the uh, host of the Locked On Cougars podcast. Now, we've been talking a lot about the offense and just kind of this game in general, but we haven't talked too much about defense. This is a team under Kalani Sataki, always has some players that are really aggressive uh, and uh, great talented players. There seems to always be some real strength in the linebacker core and some mm-hmm. key individuals on the defensive line. What does that defensive unit for that front seven look like this year for BYU? Um, the defensive line has been better than the linebackers so far this season, but the linebacking core, by and large, is actually coming along quite nicely. The headliner for BYU in the front seven is Kairos Tonga, nose tackle, defensive tackle. Uh, he's everything that you would dream a defensive tackle to be, six foot four, three hundred and twenty pounds, and he's a very good player. It, it, it remains to be seen if the linebacking core can continue to be as solid as they were in the wins that they've had. So against Boise State, against Tennessee, against USC, these linebackers have been able to fill the gaps, make tackles in the run game, but they've also uh, collected the vast majority of BYU's interceptions this season. I think only the defensive backs for BYU, if I'm not mistaken, only have one, maybe two interceptions on the season, whereas BYU's linebackers have six, seven, or eight. I don't know the exact number. I probably should have done my research on that before I told you that. But the thing is, the, the front seven for BYU is a pretty young unit overall, but they've been coming along so far. We'll see if they're able to hold up once again, because they held up against Boise State, obviously. You win that game, you, you take the win, and you run away with it. Now it's a matter of, okay, can you do that a second time when you 
face off against Utah State. The teams have been able to run the ball on BYU uh, mm-hmm. to varying degrees, but some that seems to be, uh, at least certainly in the losses, uh, teams have been able to run the ball really well uh, against BYU. Utah State's run game has been had its moments where they looked okay, and other moments where boy, you can't you can't get anything going. Um, with that, uh, the, the time off and the focus on the run defense, or just try to stop the run, is that something that could be a strength for the BYU defense, or is it kind of a hit and miss? We don't know what we're going to see. I would call it hit or miss. Um, against Boise State, it was a hit. Uh, by and large, BYU still struggles with some of the, some of the better rushing teams against them. Uh, I watch a fair amount of Utah State, obviously, and I'm with you. I think Utah State's a little hit or miss with their run game. But BYU, for a one-game sample size against Boise State, I think they passed the test uh, rushing, rush defense-wise. I'm just interested to see if they continue to develop or if this is going to be a season-long issue. It's been an issue so far in seven games. Even in the wins when BYU has won the games that they've won, they've had issues with opposing rush attacks. So it's a matter of these young linebackers. BYU, I think, only has one uh, upperclassman in the linebacking core that is a rotation player. I'm standing in that top six, seven, or eight guys of that linebacking core. The very young unit overall, they have taken their lumps. It's a matter of, okay, have they grown up enough here to go head-to-head with Gary Anderson's squad, who obviously Gary loves to run the ball. Uh, and then how well are they at getting after the opposing quarterback? Jordan Love has had some games yeah. where he's had great protection, uh, and uh, that offensive line has done a nice job giving him time and space. There's been a, against Air Force, they really struggled against that. Uh, what uh, What is that, I guess, the defensive pressure getting after the opposing quarterback? How often are they really bringing extra pressure to uh, frustrate or, or disrupt what the quarterback wants to do? Well, we saw them against Boise State bring a lot more pressure than they had in any other game so far this year, but that's only one game. BYU, through seven games this season, has a grand total of seven sacks on the year. I think you can do the math. One sack a game. They've not made a lot of plays in the backfield so far this year. Uh, it's been a, a bone of contention for BYU fans. I think the, the coaching staff at BYU understands they need to get after the quarterback. The, the fact of the matter is I have not seen a player in BYU's front seven who's able to get after the quarterback with regularity. Last year you had guys like Sione Takitaki and Corbin Kafusi who were able to do it. Well, both of them are now in the NFL. So uh, BYU still searching for that pass rusher that can get after the quarterback. We saw them bring a lot more pressure, four, five, six-man blitzes against Boise State. I would expect you probably see that a little bit more against Utah State as well. But the matter of the fact is they got to be able to get home and get after Jordan Love, and we'll see if they're able to do it. But the, the, the stats right now are not kind to BYU pass rush-wise. And then how about pass defense? Uh, the Jordan Love is uh, known to throw the ball around, although his numbers have been slumping. But uh, that uh, BYU secondary and uh, trying to get after or being opportunistic in, uh, in some takeaways, because Jordan Love's been prone to throw some interceptions this year. Yeah, I, I think BYU secondary, by and large, has passed the test to a large degree so far this year. Uh, they've been very much in the mode of uh, baiting quarterbacks into making mistakes and then uh, pouncing on that with interceptions, etc. Uh, BYU always will struggle to recruit high-level defensive backs. It's just part of the how their program goes about things. But I, if I were to pick a thing that was the, was their strength on defense, it is their pass 
cover opposing receivers, get interceptions and the like. I think that is the one strength BYU has this year. But they've, they've proven that in games like Washington, Jacob Eason, who's one of the better quarterbacks BYU has faced, I think Jordan Love might be the best quarterback BYU faces this year. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, if a good quarterback can find guys open and hit them in stride, BYU's proven they can get carved up a little bit that way. And then uh, I guess just some final thoughts from you. How you see this game playing out on Saturday night? Utah State, uh, well, I guess from the BYU perspective, let me ask it this way. After yeah. watching what happened to Utah State against Air Force, does that give BYU like the, the bigger eyes that, oh my gosh, we're going to have some success against these guys? Or uh, what's the, the sense about what might happen on Saturday night and how you think it might play out? Well, I think that uh, BYU obviously has had an uh, extra week to prepare for this game. They've obviously watched all the film of Utah State. Uh, Kalani Satake referenced the, U- the Air Force loss during his press conference on Monday. and I, I, One of us asked the question, I actually did it myself, and we asked him, what can you take away from Air Force that can help you guys? Because Air Force is such a unique offense. Everybody understands that. They run that flex bone option. And he said that we can, we can look more at uh, in terms of where guys can fit in terms of attacking the opposing offense, speaking of Utah State, whereas he doesn't think that necessarily the scheme itself is going to help BYU in that regard. I think this game on Saturday is going to be really tight. I'm expecting it to go down to the wire. These are two programs. They're looking for a win. Obviously, BYU wants to get back to 500. Uh, there's some sense that if they do beat Utah State on Saturday, they can reel off three, four, five wins in a row, maybe kind of reinvigorate a season and get to maybe seven or eight wins before the regular season concludes. But conversely, as you guys know, Utah State, they're trying to avoid falling to 500 here. So I think it's going to be a tight game. I'm actually, I'm actually thinking I'm going to give them the home field advantage to Utah State. I think that's proven to be pretty big for the Aggies in the recent history of this series. But I think it's going to be a tight one regardless. Uh, I think it will be tight. I think both teams are very hungry. Uh, Utah State, uh, the way that they've been acting in practice, they look like it's a, a wounded animal that's been backed into a corner and wants to get out of there. Uh, and it's a, it is a rivalry game, so it uh, adds a little extra mustard to whatever happens in the game. Uh, well, I guess that actually reminds me of another question I had for you before I let you go. Uh, Penalty-wise, how clean does Utah State, or excuse me, how does uh, clean does BYU play? Um, are they... Utah State, even though they got killed by Air Force, really didn't have any penalties. They've been pretty penalty-free. Uh, it hasn't hurt them too badly in some of their drives and how they've uh, played the games. How about BYU? Have they been pretty disciplined, or has that been a bit of a problem? It's been back and forth all year long. And, and some of the games that they've won, they've had a lot of penalties. Other games that they've won, they've been relatively clean. So it's kind of been a Jekyll and Hyde situation. And Kalani Satake has uh, been very... Um, quick to point out that he wants his guys to avoid self-inflicted wounds, speaking of penalties like false starts, uh, face masks, that type of stuff. So uh, it's, it's similar to what we talk, opened up this interview talking about. You're not quite sure what you're going to get from BYU, and I think that sticks with it with regards to penalties and the like. Well, Jake, I think it'll be a fun game to see how it plays out. So who knows get, who gets the better one of this one with two teams that are kind of hard for a lot of us to figure out. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. But I appreciate your perspective. And uh, for folks who want to follow what's going on with BYU, go check out Jake's uh, podcast, Locked on Cougars. Thanks so much, Jake. Appreciate your help tonight.
No problem, Eric. Thanks for having me.